0: You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we'll be talking about some games played, followed by some upcoming games, and our top three games in which the theme actually comes through. Today's episode 35, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Christo and we got a taste of normality for a little bit and now we're back in isolation yep yeah i've been hitting
1: uh, the online uh, facilities quite a bit in the last two weeks and i think yeah that kind of reflects on the games that i played is that is that how you've been playing you haven't been playing in person at all right <laughs> Uh no, unfortunately, no, I don't really live with anyone, and yeah, we are trying to do the uh, isolation thing for a couple of weeks. So yeah, no, just online.
0: Yeah. yeah, luckily, I have my wife here, and that's who I've been playing games with. And I'm gonna just completely change the subject. Do you think that if they put in the rule book, if they didn't put in the rule book as the first rule? and set up to put the board game in the middle of the table. Do you think people would put it under the table or maybe even in another room? (laughs) I've been reading a lot of rule books lately and uh, (laughs) you know, that's,
1: no yeah I, they do have a lot of uh just funny stuff like that in the rule book i think it's just kind of like writing a manual or something a technical manual you just kind of have to go through the steps even if they're obvious i think that's where they're coming from yeah but yeah they're it's just kind of funny not just putting the board in the middle of the table but i think i've i can't really quote any examples but i've had some other just kind of funny things like make sure you do this it's like all right yeah I as if I would forget to like put the dice there or something you know just like really (laughs) obvious things
0: yeah yeah I mean if it's your very first board game I guess you might be like what is this big piece of cardboard what am I supposed to do with this (laughs) anyway uh we've played some games let's hear what you've played Risto
1: yep like i say i've been playing online actually um i was thinking about actually playing some maps as well but i kind of didn't accept this one uh i played tatsu uh, quite a few times i finally there was a steam sale a couple of weeks ago i think or like three weeks ago and i finally bought it um so tatsu is actually a game by john yanni uh, he's the creator of hive um So that was, I think, his second game or something. And a lot of people kind of see it as a disappointment, uh, pretty huge disappointment, actually, because Hive was this kind of really thinky, abstract game with kind of chessy, very little luck. And Tatsu is very random and just kind of really weird. Uh, So Tatsu is actually, I would say, it's kind of a reimplementation of backgammon, really they don't really have uh i don't know if have they even have references of anyone in the forums talking about it or anything that certainly doesn't say re-implements backgammon or anything like that but i think the game is like really heavily inspired by backgammon and i think if you're if you're thinking about playing it or if you're interested in it you should definitely approach it with a kind of a backgammon kind of a thinking uh or maybe even just play backgammon first, actually, because backgammon is a very uh, commonly found game, and I'm sure you can find a board somewhere. comes usually with chess. So the concepts of the game are very, very, very similar. Uh, I would say, actually, oddly enough, now that I've played Tatsu against the computer like, a few times, I think backgammon still might be the better game tatsu is fun to play and it's something different but there are some situations where the game just kind of really gets a little boring um i'm not going to go into details but it definitely feels like backgammon but it can really drag in some specific situations uh the way the game is designed it can happen uh that there's kind of an impasse or just like no one's really winning. And then like backgammon where it's like a not the circle, you just go forward to the other side of the board and you win if you do that first. That's who is in a circular fashion. So the end of the game is triggered by someone either getting destroyed. It's, it's about like dragons moving around the board and the dragons are exactly like the chips in or whatever they're called. I don't know what the terminology is in backgammon, the things that you move, the circles. So there are dragons, and the dragons actually have spell abilities in the backgammon where if you land on someone, uh, you take it, and I guess I should say the obvious thing is the game is a roll and move, so that's also kind of hilarious. Uh, Like, Exactly like backgammon, you roll two dice and you can move two pieces or one piece twice and exactly very, very similar concepts. But yeah, unlike backgammon you, where you land on someone, you just destroy them in backgammon uh, or actually, yeah, return them kind of to the beginning or whatever whatever. In Tatsu, there's three types of dragons. One of them just kind of blocks the other pieces. The other ones removes them temporarily. The third one actually removes them from the game permanently. So the temporary removal is kind of like backgammon, where you actually have to roll to go back on the board. Just kind of a very funny game. Overall, it feels very much like Backgammon. I think if you're a fan of Backgammon and you're looking for something different, that's a really cool game to have. But definitely do not expect Hive. Expect a roll and move with lots of luck. And some interesting decisions. Actually... Not so even interesting decisions, but some (laughs) decisions, I guess, Uh, lots of roll and move, and if that's your thing, I kind of like it as kind of like a zen relaxation kind of a game. Those games, I feel, Bagamon and Tatsu, the decisions are kind of obvious, and the game kind of plays itself, and it's all about the dice. Uh, sometimes there's an interesting situation, but the interesting situation is kind of an exception rather than the rule in those games, in my opinion. And it's all about just kind of calculating odds and pushing your luck. So, yeah, that's Tatsu.
0: Yeah, you know... Uh, another. In, in, yeah, sorry, under, go ahead. Under Family yeah, on BGG, it does mention, uh says traditional games, backgammon. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I never thought to look into this designer... Like, I like Hive a lot, but I just, I don't know. He's got Army of Frogs, never heard of that. (laughs) Junkyard Races, never heard of that. Logan Stones, Run Rabbit Run. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I can't say without playing any of these games, but he might be a one-hit wonder as of right now. Maybe he's designing something great without us knowing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think he likes kind of smaller games and those actually sound kind of like children's games or just kind of family type games. Uh, I think uh, Hive was kind of his some, somewhat serious game. I'm not sure if he's in if he's from Greece, his name sounds Greek or something, but if he is from Greece, I think uh, backgammon is kind of popular in Eastern Europe in general and like oh, Russia yeah. and stuff. And uh, I think that might be influenced by that, but I don't know. I just don't know. Um, so, yeah, Tatsu. Uh, the other game Kingdom. that I played... Sorry, um, he's from the United Kingdom. Okay. Yeah. Well, never mind then. Maybe he <laughs> just wanted to make a backgammon remix or something. The other game I played was on Board Game Arena. Uh, Board Game Arena has received actually quite an update. Uh, there's quite a few new games uh, on there. Marco Polo 2, which maybe I'll play someday, and a bunch of other games. Uh, one game which is in beta currently, but I've I, I've looked at for a while and I've wanted to play is Marrakesh. Um, Marrakesh is a t- 2007 game, really old from GigaMic. GigaMic is kind of a, I think it's a French publisher, and they publish a lot of games with kind of weird large wooden pieces and just generally weird pieces physical game of marrakesh comes with these kind of rugs and the rugs are actually woven with thread and stuff and it i think it looks pretty cool uh the game is very very simple um you move a piece which is assam actually is he's a uh, a guy from marrakesh i guess and he walks around the market or something i don't know what the heck he's walking around on i think the rug market and uh basically he roll a die it's another roll and move so roll and move team uh uh he roll a die, and you move him, and he kind of moves straight, basically. And if he lands on the rug that is an opponent's rug, you pay them tax. And that's literally the whole game. And at the end of the turn, you you lay a rug next to him. So the whole game is basically kind of avoiding the other people's rugs, setting up your own rugs, and connecting a large area. Uh, of connected rugs because the payment is based on how large the area is of the rugs that he landed on. So it kind of is a take that game because you can cover up rugs from other opponents. I haven't tried it with two. I think it's kind of works better with three or four because I think the take that is kind of necessary because if someone starts running away with it, you ideally gang up on them and cover their rugs and stuff. It doesn't always work out perfectly and it leads to some really funny just kind of hilariously lopsided games, I guess. But uh, I kind of have fun with it. It's a silly, silly game. I think it's over in 10-15 minutes. Um it has really cool components. The physical version, I'd say, it's kind of family game, but still kind of fun to play for me. Again, is kind of relaxation. I've actually wanted to play. I have the game. I've 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 had it for years, and I just never unpacked it for some reason. And I finally played it on BGA of all places. So that's Marrakesh. Um, yeah, I'd recommend it if you're looking for again something silly, simple. The decisions are again kind of there but really it's sometimes most of the time kind of obvious what you should do probably and a lot of kind of funny situations having to deal with low odds roles uh, with someone landing on the space where they pay the other person a lot of money I actually kind of like Monopoly I think Monopoly you get that vibe where sometimes you just get like a ridiculously unlucky or lucky roll or something and you avoid a bad situation or someone lands on your things and you're like haha give me the money so kind of the same kind of vibe uh, but it doesn't go on for hours and it's pretty straightforward so that's Marrakesh
0: pretty fun game I think looks interesting uh, the guy the piece <laughs> looks funny He's got yeah, a nice yeah, hat on, yeah. mustache. He's kind not of very raising. politically
1: correct, I think, but uh oh, yeah.
0: whatever. <laughs> He's raising one eyebrow. He looks uh yeah, he looks very judgmental. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the rugs are cool. That's cool. I haven't seen that in the game. Um yeah, I have a couple games I played. Uh the first one was um I played it because Matt and Justine were, I don't know about boasting about it, but they were, they said it was a lot of fun, and that is Kitchen Rush. I got that uh, months ago, and then finally busted out and played it. I played the solo variant of it, and I also played it two-player with my wife, and I would say that probably two players is preferred, even though I haven't played three or four players, it scale—it seems to scale well, um, but... Uh, this would literally be, I think, too many cooks in the kitchen for this type of cooperative game. Maybe not, but, uh, the discussion phase I would say is, would be a little bit much. Anyway, uh, Kitchen Rush is a real time game where you're putting out sand timers as workers in various spots in a kitchen. Cause you're running a kitchen and the spots could be to, uh, welcome guests in where you flip cards, where there's orders. You can go to a spot to get cards. You can go to, and when you get cards, you get the the size of the plate, which is coming from clean dishes. So you can actually go to a spot in the dirty dishes and clean a couple of dishes. You go to the storage to get the food, to put it on your plates, to prepare them. You can go to the spice rack, which is a bag of spices. And when I first saw the bag, I was like, don't tell me you're going to have to randomly pull out cubes. That's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's supposed to slow you down and yeah. basically trying to Im- imitate like a, a cupboard of spices or a drawer of spices, which I think it actually works fine. Um, and then there's going to be shopping. You could go shopping. You're kind of limited. Like if you go to the shopping list, you have to buy five of one type of food or um, or only three of uh, uncommon spice and only two of a common... Uh, un- Two of an uncommon spice, three of a common spice. And you could go to ovens and cook because these plates are going to go on your player board, which has a zero, one, two, three. They all start on zero and various orders will take various amounts of time to cook. So every time you go to the oven spot, you can move one plate down one space. Um, Also, when you're placing these timers, these sand timers, you do the action right away but then you have to wait for them to run out to move them to a different spot but you have two so you could place one do an action and then place another in the solo game you actually have 4 and you could and you're so you're placing out 4 it's basically like you're playing a two player game and then there's also a place you can go to it's the office space where you can hire back workers that didn't get paid in the last round or get some of these upgrades where you can upgrade and get another stove, upgrade, get another storage spot or get a helper worker that comes in and is there. At the end of the round, you have to pay wages. You have to pay three for each worker and for each one you can't pay for, you lose a prestige point and then they have to go, I guess they go home. I don't know where they go. They go to the top of the board. (laughs) Um, And and, uh, then you complete orders and you have to check if they're right because it's real time and you're scrambling around this kitchen so if they're not right they would get wiped off you have to keep the card you have to make it again um if you make it wrong then you lose prestige points um is that right i think it's right i can't remember yeah yeah it's been a while Anyway, what you're trying to do is you're trying to complete as many orders as you can, have enough money to pay wages and pay for food, and then at the end of the game, depending on a card you put in, because there's easy, normal, hard, very hard, and you have to meet those requirements by the end of the game. No matter what card you put in, you have to have a coin, at least one coin in the office, you have to have at least one prestige point, and you have to have all of your workers currently paid for in the last round. Uh, if you don't, you immediately lose. Also, if you you could go below zero in prestige points, and if you hit minus four, you would automatically lose. But some of these, in for example, these cards, the easy one we had to have, I think, ten orders and four money and two prestige points. I think that's it. Um, the game solo was really hard because not only do you have just two hands, but you have to wait. You can't, like, I can't place down something, start to take that action and place another one. You have to complete that action. So it just felt, you know what it felt like? It felt like I was working in a kitchen by myself, which I've done. (laughs) (laughs) And the two player game felt like I was working in a kitchen with two players. I think that the game mechanics, the design of it works really well. It's really thematic. And I think that it's pretty tough. I think I av- I think after you played a few times, um, you will want to put in the the harder levels, I guess. But I thought the easy and we played without the event deck because the rule book says if it's your first time playing, play without the event, so we did that. The events are just all bad stuff happening. Um, anyway, I thought it was good, but here's the irrelevant part. I don't know if I like it because it's stressful like it just felt like like I said I've worked in kitchens before and it kind of did feel like that and I didn't really like working in the kitchen I think it's a good <laughs> game I just don't know if I would like it like there's some co-op games that make me question if I really don't like co-op games but this one wasn't one of them it kind of made me go yeah I don't know like the discussion part was fine with just two people And it's pretty obvious, like we have to do that. We got to get money first, whatever. You just discuss like where you're going to go. Hey, I'll go shopping. You put out this and yeah, whatever. Um, And then when you're going, you're putting it out, but it just seems so stressful, man. I got stressed out and I was like, it's good. And I think a part of me had fun, but I don't know if I'm going to be excited to bring it out. But here's the thing. It's like 25 minutes, you know, the rounds are four minutes long. And the discussion part could be really quick. So yeah, 25 minutes. So if somebody wanted to play it, I would be fine with it. I'd be like, all right, let's get stressed for 25 minutes. But, uh, that's kitchen rush. Um,
1: yeah, you- uh, I think it's fine as well. I think the theme comes across really well and yeah, the bl- searching through the bag is like rummaging through the cupboard or something or the closet or whatever. Not closet. Pantry. Yeah, uh, Looking for ingredients or whatever. So yeah, like you say, I think it comes across real really well, but like you say, also what comes across really well is the stress of it all. Right. So I kind of have a similar thing. Is I'm, I think it's a fine game. It is not really like a standard co-op game like other co-op games. It's kind of a different experience. Uh, like I was saying previously, it's kind of like those I don't know if you've ever played they had a bunch of games where uh, it's the same. You work as a waiter or in the kitchen or something, and you press a bunch of buttons on their computer or phone oh, games yeah. to try to pick up dishes, put them away, go be efficient and stuff. So it kind of feels like that in a board game format,
0: or like Root beer uh, it's, Tapper. It,
1: it's fun once in a while. It's just it's fun if you like that kind of a thing. To me,
0: yeah, I don't know if I like. I, I don't know how many real time games I've played, and I don't know if I like them because of this um what's that we played a real-time co-op game i believe by tim fowers that was with airplanes uh yeah yeah now boarding yeah is that real time that has to be right it's timed, it right? it has
1: a real time element and the real time element's actually a little bit lame i don't know so a lot of people think it's unnecessary or something i think it's fine it's uh, they're trying to do i think there was an app game with airplanes as well again the implementation and board game format so they're trying to do is kind of have that stress of the things happening real time in board game format. Was again.
0: it a timer? Yeah, they're they're fine. Uh, yeah, it was a timer. Sand okay, timer. okay. Oh, it was a sand timer. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would I would suggest that if somebody likes real time co op games, uh, Kitchen Rush, and now Boarding, but like I just yeah I don't know if they're for me. Um, something I also wanted to mention was I played the Welcome to Expansion Winter Wonderland. Um, this is just an expansion that comes with a pad of um, of more uh, housing development sheets. Uh, this one is all snowy and looks kind of Christmassy. Uh, it just adds two things to it. One is you you have another a different opportunity to just score each street by hanging conse- consecutive Christmas lights. I think it says in the rule book like nobody likes that one house that doesn't participate in decorations, but uh, what it is is you're getting um, sequential numbers on your streets. So in, in Welcome Two, you could you flip cards and you and it's a flip and right, and you pick um, a group of cards which is going to be out of three, and it's going to be a number and an effect, and the number has to that has to go in ascending order on each street. But it doesn't have to go sequential, right? It could go one, three, five. But the Christmas lights encourages you to do that because on each street, you're going to score your consecutive houses, your largest cluster of consecutive houses, uh, one point each house. So if I have two, three, four, five, six, all next to each other, that score five points. Or if you do the bottom row, I think it's like 12 houses, which I actually did in my solo play of it. It's 12 points. So you can get a good chunk of points from that. The other thing it adds is uh, cards. Uh, I think they're development cards. They're goals. And it's one of the in-game conditions. If one player gets all three goals, then the game would end. So to my knowledge, the two ga- to the two expansions, mini expansions that I've had for this, it always adds in threes. So like just a three third one. Um, and these have to do with the lights. Like one is have three houses of three consecutive, uh, numbers, sequential numbers. One is like have not consecutive numbers. I don't remember what they are, but they have to do with the lights and it's fine. Like, uh, uh, we played the Halloween one. We've talked about that. I thought that was fine. It adds in very small little scoring opportunities that that don't change the game tremendously. They just kind of add in a little bit more. This one actually feels a, a more than the Halloween one because you're now thinking about the numbers that you're putting down, not just circling a ghost or a candy. Like in the Halloween one, you're actually like planning on like, all right, this street i'm going to try to get all sequential numbers anyway i thought it worked really well um the paper looks nice it looks like a snowy valley and um i'll be getting these i think i'll end up getting all of them just because i like the game and i think it changes it enough and that's uh yeah. winter wonderland is the expansion yeah i always like uh, welcome
1: to um, it doesn't really change the core game like super much but i like the little twists that they have and just the different art on the papers that oh, they I... have for for the different expansions
0: yeah that's um, always fun i did want to mention the the solo game real quick cuz i hadn't played the solo game before you shuffle all the cards and instead of having three separate decks you have one single deck and you grab you pull three cards and you choose one for a number and one for the effect. I actually really like that way of playing solo. Um, it just gave you more choices. And then you have a solo card that you would put into the like last part of the deck. And if that comes out, then all of the uh, development cards flip to the other side so you could get only the lower score. And that's actually, it adds another way to end the game, whereas once that stack runs out, you don't reshuffle, you end the game. That's how my game ended, actually, but the scoring is not my favorite. The scoring in it is just like see so your try to get your best score.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of they don't even
0: have a scale like good job you no. won or something. Right? No, not even that. <laughs> and that's probably my like least favorite way to do a solo game. But yeah. but it's it's fine. I did really well against myself. <laughs>
1: All right. well, anyway, uh, another game that I played on Board Game Arena, which we've previously talked about, I'm just gonna mention it, is The Crew. They implemented The Crew on Board Game Arena, which is really kind of fun, because it works really well, because it's a game where you're not supposed to talk, and uh, Board Game Arena does really have, I think it has audio, but no one really uses it, so it works very well, where it kind of forces you to not talk. People type sometimes, but... um, you're not supposed to anyway. Uh, again, uh, pretty interesting game, uh, trick taking game. I think it won, what, what was it, Spiel for? Did it win Spiel? Kenner.
0: Last yeah. this year? Last year? Yep, the Kenner, Kenner Spiel.
1: Spiel? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, the theme is actually really hilarious to me because actually, uh, uh, the board game arena implementation kind of leads to the mission story and the stories are just kind of like hilarious to me uh, so we're talking about themes that come through today uh, in games that to me just does not come through in any way <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> you're astronauts and you're preparing for these missions and you're trying to do things together and then you like go to the moon and it's like weightlessness or something and basically what you're doing is playing a trick-taking game it just like doesn't compute at all. It doesn't register to me as the theme making any sense. But as a trick taking game, it's uh, it's interesting, it's fun. I think my observation is the I've played the first ten missions like 5,000 times now because everyone for some reason likes to start at 1 and then they (laughs) quit by like 10 or something so it's actually pretty hard to go to the higher missions but uh, they're very dependent on luck in my opinion and yes you can deal with some situations which are really, it's really cool when you pull something uh, that just is very low odds Uh, but like for example if someone has really high cards and they're not supposed to take anything because the game is kind of like you commit to these goals of what you should take in what order or whatever uh, That it's like a basic trick-taking game so if someone has a lot of high cards and they just happen to have a lot of high cards uh, and and other people are supposed to take a lot of cards that's like very unlikely to happen and yeah you can try to cooperate and have you abuse like the color runs slough the right colors so you dump the high cards but sometimes it's is just the luck of the draw of the deal actually is uh, way too much to deal with some of the tougher missions and I think that's kind of my observation of the game is uh, it's very dependent on the initial deal and yeah there's this emergency thing where you can shuff uh, uh, rotate one card or give one card to either left or right, uh, very limited I think it's supposed to happen once every like 15 missions or something but yeah, I I don't know if uh if you're playing that game if you should expect to consistently win all the time, even if you're really good. I think some situations are just doomed to fail, and that's just kind of unfortunate. But yeah, pretty kind of actually kinda of light lighter weight game, um, in my opinion to play. I'm amazed that Step still amazed it won the Kennerspiel. Spiel. It should have like been the regular spiel in my opinion for that game but yeah yeah it was fun the crew. You, so yeah if you're into in trick-taking games check it out on board game arena i think it's good have you played it two-player uh no i actually specifically wanted to avoid low player counts i they probably have the variant implemented online i just don't even know what it is i played like four and five only uh, i basically. actually
0: like the two-player game because there's one hand um that's that you can see all the cards so and like it the captain control there's more control yeah the captain for that round will will play their turn and then play a card from their hand and you can discuss um there's there is like cards underneath though so you deal out i don't remember how many five or six cards down face down and then cards on top of that face up So once you take off a card, you reveal the next one. So there is a bit of searching, but yeah, you just have more control because you could see um, one hand, one person's hand and discuss about it. So I, I liked the two player variant actually.
1: Yeah. Now yeah, the other thing is I kind of the more I played it the more I saw how the communication tokens are useful in some situations and how you yeah. should use them that was something that I didn't really pick up from the my very few plays of the physical game when we played it. So, yeah, I've played it quite a few times now. It's, it's like I say, it's good. Um, it's interesting, but not all situations are solvable, unfortunately, in that game. I almost wish that emergency swap a card to the left or to the right wasn't an emergency, and it happened every round, and the emergency was like swap another card or something. Uh, maybe that would mm-hmm. make the game way too easy, though. Maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah, I haven't really experimented with it, but yeah, that's the crew. Uh, the other game that I actually played finally after like four weeks that I've had it is Search for Planet X. I played the solo variant. Um, Search for Planet X is a game, a deduction game, pure deduction. Uh, you're searching for Planet X. Huh. Planet X is a planet which is theorized that it's somewhere beyond the last planet of the solar system or whatever there's these uh, observations that irregularities of planet orbits then they're theorizing that there's actually a planet that's uh, somewhere out there i don't know how large it is or whatever but uh you're looking for it and uh there's a board which represents the night sky and it's kind of cool and thematic uh there's the earth and you you can only search for celestial objects uh like you're searching for the, the board is divided in sectors and it's a circle so it represents kind of the solar system and every sector can only have one object uh, they, they are like uh, gas clouds comets dwarf planets um asteroids Uh, it's kind of arbitrary, not very thematic, but basically to make the deduction work, every sector can only have one object. And uh, there's a bunch of rules, logical rules, like these, uh, for example, dwarf planets are in a slice of six sectors somewhere. So if you discover one, you know the other three are within six sectors of it those kind of things so basically you're doing a bunch of kind of logical steps to try to figure out where things actually are exactly uh the tools you have for that is you can do surveys um and it's a time track game where you are a pawn on the outside of the boards and the the the, the pawn the the they're actually little telescopes. It's kind of cute. But the, the one on the very end goes first. So depending on the action you take, it costs a certain amount of time, I guess, that you're trying spending to either research or survey or whatever. And then you move forward, and the last person goes. Kind of like to Kaido, basically. The, the, and the... Not zombie beside. gosh, what's... Australia. Australia. Uh, the last person goes. Kind of track. Time track. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, you can Choose to do actions which have different costs. Uh, you can do research on specific objects, which kind of gives you a relationship between, for example, comets and gas giants. Like maybe it will tell you like at least one gas giant is next to a comet or something. Um, you can actually survey the sky, which is usually what you kind of do do the surveying the skies you choose a number of sectors in it in in an object and it tells you how many of that object is there the fewer sectors you survey the more exact it is but the more time it costs so it's kind of cool um like basically the more exact information you get the more time it moves you forward and other people get more information maybe um while you're just sitting there and doing nothing uh or you can target a specific sector and get exactly what's there uh obviously not the planet x planet x appears empty so that you have to figure out using all those rules where it is uh, by basically finding almost every other object on the table so yeah it's um it was kind of very what i expected um kind of a very cerebral exercise of sitting there and just trying to figure out first of all what you're what you're supposed to know because you like have a bunch of things like i surveyed this slice of the sky and then this slice of the sky and i found out this information and like can you actually figure out something from that to come to a conclusion and then uh, what action actually you should do because every action costs time. And if you do the wrong action, you kind of fall behind. So you're trying to like push for the information that you need to come to conclusions. Uh, pretty cool game. It felt a little bit like, um, Doing homework or something in some in some way, kind of some kind of logical homework. Uh, You have this paper and you're trying to figure things out. There, I played against the bot, and actually, the unfortunate thing is uh, the bot destroyed me absolutely. I was uh, the game was actually going pretty well. I I thought Uh, for a while I was like discovering objects, and we actually had kind of about even uh, pace with the bot or whatever the the bot like kind of takes actions based on the app. So it's really cool, actually. Uh, I mean, it's almost like playing an online game, but you're using a board. So the app tells you where the bot goes and what sectors he surveys and whatever so by like the ninth or the 10th move or whatever of the game um i was like cool that's i'm doing really well and stuff and the app was like the bot has located planet X. <laughs> I was like what <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, so yeah anyway um i don't know it's pretty crazy uh it's supposed to run some kind of an algorithm to come up with based on the actual moves it takes during the game and it actually um, registers, basically you can submit these theories of like if you find if there's a comment somewhere, you submit a theory and after like three turns it actually goes to, goes public for everyone and if it's correct you get some points but it registers that as well so it kind of works off of your information that you gave it Um, so it's pretty cool but yeah, I, I had a kind of a vague guess of where it, the planet was but I definitely didn't get it so yeah the score was like 25 to 14 because you get points for other objects you locate in addition to Planet X, Planet X is like 10 points so usually if you if uh, you find it you have a pretty good chance of winning, the other people can also like when you find it submit uh, either try to find it themselves or submit uh, some theories and you're uh, scored based on how many correct objects you identify. Uh, actually, kind of a cool game. I don't know if other people are gonna like it overall. Um, I I think I like it. It actually was what I expected. I'm not disappointed. Uh, people are saying it's uh, don't expect Alchemists, which is another game of this kind. And yeah, it's kind of a smaller game than Alchemists by a lot. Um, But I think it still kind of does that thing where... The logical deduction thing really well uh, and it's kind of uh, fun, they had an insert the inside the box, I don't know if it's sponsored by or whatever, but the Planetary Society with like Bill Nye or whatever and like join us and whatever so it's, it's based on kind of real science that's going on now pretty cool theme um, I enjoyed it and that's search for, for Planet X, I'll play it with people maybe someday, actual people where I might stand a chance instead of like the bots like Slapping me out of <laughs> nowhere.
0: Is there a difficulty level to the to the bot?
1: Uh no, actually I don't think there's difficulty level to the bot, so it's probably pretty tough. No, I, I Is it based I on how good you're doing? Was- It was my first game, so I didn't exactly know what I was kind of doing, and I think there's a couple of conferences where they tell you Planet X's relationship with something like comets or whatever, and I actually really was bad on that because I went for other objects, so I think you should kind of, once you know something about Planet X, you should kind of because you basically kind of start researching objects and you try to find where they are and i went for comets and comets didn't kind of really lead me to (laughs) to success i mean i got the points for comets, so yay and the bot didn't so the mission accomplished but yeah it didn't work out very well in the end so i think stuff like that like selecting which objects you're researching there's unfortunately a bit a little bit of luck in the game like i came to a situation where i had a 50 50 uh, so i could submit a theory which i wasn't sure about and something else was tied to it so like two things were 50 50 flip and i decided to go for certain information i feel like you should kind of push it and try try the coin flip and submit theories based on uh what you think you know which might wreck your whole game later on i don't know but no there's no difficulty settings for the bot there are difficulty settings for the game there's a standard version which i don't think i would pretty much ever play with just fewer sectors and just kind of smaller scale Um, There's also a level of a starting level where you can have a kind of a novice level where it gives you eight like facts or something. Uh, Again, like logical relationships, four facts or zero facts. I went with zero where you just know nothing at the beginning of the game. But I mean, the bot also knows nothing. So in theory, I don't know. Uh, I think it's just kind of a tough Tough bot to beat uh, for solo. I think that's what it is.
0: And you don't use the bot for like a two player game, right?
1: Uh, no, the bot is a uh, two player game. You just play against the other person, and whoever finds Planet X first uh, ends the game. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I don't know if there's even an option. That would be an interesting idea for like developers, but it's designed as just uh, to be just versus one person. Uh, yeah. Oh,
0: it's a yep. two-player game only.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really, really good question, huh?
0: It's a two-player game only.
1: No, with the bot. Oh, uh, uh,
0: got it. Th- th- what, what I mean is, four, if you play with right?
1: two players, you're just playing against each other. It's yeah. four-player game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this sounds interesting. I've been wanting to play this for a while, and uh, I keep getting its name mixed up with something else that came out this year, but I can't remember what it is. Anyway, like I go to the store and I'm like, is that the one that I, I don't know. Anyway, I want to play this because I like, I like deduction games a lot, but the last like big deduction game that came out was a little disappointing to me. Cryptid. Remember Cryptid?
1: Yeah yeah, I remember Crypto Crypto is okay. I wasn't overly super impressed by it, but yeah, it's same. fine, it's fine. Uh I don't know, don't expect too much from Search for Planet X. I think it's a good game, but it is it does come to some lucky. Also like you can survey something that tells you a lot of cool information just by by luck kind oh, of. Oh yeah uh or it's something that gives you no good information by luck. So it does have those kind of so called problems, but I enjoy the process of playing the game anyway. Um I mean I mean kind of uh sciences like that, I guess so you could argue it's like thematic. Maybe you pursue something that just doesn't work <laughs> and you spent all that time pursuing it. Right,
0: right. That's just Or you look in the right place at the right time and yeah. You discover something. Yeah. I like the theme a lot more than Cryptid personally. I mean cryptid like is a cool theme, but that doesn't represent it on the board at all. Cubes and, and stuff, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this sounds it's this, fine. I I like this theme a lot more. Was that it for you? Yep, that's it. All right, so uh, me and my wife did something that we used to do all the time, um, but haven't done in a while, which is Go to a board game store, buy a game, come home, play it immediately. And we did that today. Uh, We did that with New York Zoo, which is the new Uwe Rosenberg game from, well, Capstone Games um, published it in the States. And it is a combination of his polyomino style games like Cottage Garden or Summer something or other. He's got the three trilogy, right? And there it's very reminiscent of that, mixed with the mechanics of the animals, in particular, the breeding of animals in like Caverna and Agricola. So what you're doing is you have this board that looks um it's like a similar setup of like patchwork and cottage garden, where you have this uh this rectangle strip and you have polyomino pieces on it, and you have an elephant that you're moving. And in a two-player game, you're moving that elephant between one and four spaces. And the spaces could be to land on a polyomino spot and take the, the topmost off, because you have like a pile of, of polyominoes you set up at the beginning of the game. And <clears throat> you take it and you place it on your board. When you place it on your board, you have to put an animal in there. You start the game with two animals in these houses. So you could put animals in your in these little houses on your player board and you can add them. Or you can split up from other previously placed animals on other polyomino shapes, uh, take animals from that and place it on it. So you could be spreading these animals out on these polyomino shapes. Anyway, the other thing is you can go to a spot that has two animals on it, two animal types, I should say, and you could either take one or both of the animals, or just one of any type of animal and add it to either one of your houses or one of your polyomino shapes. And then also if you've passed up a breeding spot for a particular animal, like it'll have kangaroo breeding. So if you passed it at any point, then breeding happens for everybody starting with the active player. Breeding is very simple. It's any enclosure, which is these polyamino pieces that have two or more, they spawn one animal of that type. And these uh, these enclosures have to have all this, the same type of animal on it. You can't mix them. Anyway, uh, you're so you're basically like all, you're setting up these animals to breed. And every time you introduce an animal to the board, you can take one off of your house of the same type and add it and any time breeding happens you can breed up to two spots of that type that's breeding so you're really trying to set up like multiple enclosures to breed at that time so you're like setting up these these it's a you know time management you see when they're going to breed and you're setting up for those animals to breed multiple times and then in the 2 and 3 player game you get a bonus one to where if you've at least breeded one animal type, you could breed any other animal type that has two on an enclosure. And then once you fill up these polyamino pieces, because they have little squares on them, you remove all those animals, freeing up an enclosure, and, well, it says score, but you don't really score. You just take attractions. And attractions are just chunks of pieces that you fill up your board with. And they're like... The polyomino shapes are really weird and kind of awkward to put together, but the attractions are like squares, basically. Um, they're all like squares and rectangles and they go from being big to small. And there is a uh, limited supply on the bigger ones, so you're kind of rushing to get the biggest one first. And whoever fills up their board first wins. It's really simple game, and it really is kind of like taking cottage garden in agricola two elements from it and putting it down and dumbing it down of course from agricola but i actually liked it a lot there was a lot more depth to it than i expected because you're trying to set up all these different spots at the right time and i just i really enjoyed it i had a good time playing it new york zoo from uve rosenberg Yeah, it looks
1: interesting. Uh, It looks like uh, basically the sheep mechanism, if you enjoy that in UVE games. Yes. Polyomino like patchwork. So, yeah. Exactly. Sounds sounds cool. It looks very kind of like a childish game, but uh, maybe uh, it's more than meets the eye, I guess.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the rules, I think a a child could learn the rules. I don't think they would be good at it, though. Um, that is well,
1: the animals are like really pink and bright colors, and they look really like cute and stuff like it's on the box, of, uh, in the meeples as well.
0: Oh, yeah, I thought that the game like set up uh looked kind of elegant actually, just kind of looks like really smooth yeah. and nice.
1: Yeah, that's it, nice. It's nice.
0: I mean, it doesn't feel like a capstone game, that's for sure. Oh my gosh, capstone, it's yeah, it's capstone, we yeah.
1: did not expect capstone, yeah.
0: But yeah, I don't know. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, You know, I don't know about it plays up to five. And I really don't know about a five player game of this because um, that elephant could go rather far and there's no planning, you know, like uh, in a two player (laughs) game. I'm like, all right, I kind of know where I'm going to go. Oh, they just went to that spot, so I'll go probably here. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot of thinking. Yeah. So, like, to have uh, to no, wait. I'm, I'm
1: laughing because I'm looking at the ratings. Yeah, like, five not recommended. <laughs> well, there's only very few ratings, but best with three, supposedly.
0: Yeah. I mean, two or three. Two yeah. Or three yeah. I like, I think, um, I think two is good. Three, I think, would be fine. But, i think that it could induce ap there was a few times where me and my wife were like hold on because we you know you take a turn and the next person immediately wants to go and you're like hold on hold on because i might trigger something let me just think about this where this can go so it does kind of produce very slight ap i don't think you should take it serious enough to where you should be taking that long on your turn but um it is possible and if there's a few in a five player game that would be completely awful i would hate it because <laughs> there's nothing to think about on your turn especially yeah, because I, you don't know where that yeah, elephant's yeah. going to end up but um but really enjoyed it at two it has a solo variant too i haven't looked into that but i i mean lately i've been playing a lot of solo games so i'll probably play it solo and see how that works because i don't know how it rec- would work
1: recommended <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um BGG it says recommended. So it's not bad, it's not amazing, probably it's just kind of okay.
0: All right. Yeah. Um Yeah, New York Zoo, I think if you like basically if you like any of his polyomino games, you you would like this. I've heard that it's one of his best from people that have played a lot of them, but I've only played wow. uh, Patchwork and Patchwork and Cottage Garden. And I can't remember Cottage Garden at all, but um, Patchwork's Mm -hmm. fine. I think it feels a lot different than Patchwork though. But I really feel like it's just like another one of his polyomino games, but it just adds in the animals. So there's one more element there that you're thinking about of breeding. And it's kind of cool because the polyomino pieces fill up your board and that's the whole point of the game. But filling your animals up to... We'll get you those other extra pieces. So it's, yeah, like I said, I think there's some good decisions in there because do you grab a polyamino piece, spread out your animals even more, um, but fill up your board, but you better be good at placing polyamino pieces because like I said, they're kind of oddly shaped. Um, Or do you just go for animals and try to fill up your board that way? And that was my strategy and I did not win. I was like four turns away from winning. So my wife beat me by four turns, which is quite a bit, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that was some games that we've played. So up next is upcoming games. All right. Speaking of capstone games, uh, Capstone is releasing a game next year called Coffee Traders. It's by the two designers that brought us Wildcatters. It takes place in the 70s. It's like kind of an economic game. Uh, The mechanisms say action points, area majority influence, and contracts. Um, Looking at the game, it's a big, sprawling game. And you're basically developing coffee regions around the world while enhancing your networks for trading coffee. The theme of it intrigues me, the designers intrigue me, the publisher intrigues me enough, and the look of it looks like pretty neat. So I'm really excited to try this game, Coffee Traders. Have you seen this,
1: Christo? No, I'm just looking at the only screenshots on BGG and yeah, it looks kind of huge. I don't know, I have reservations because I, I like Wildcatters well enough to actually have it. I think it was really cool, but also it's kind of a cutthroat game, so I don't know how I don't know if it's going to be something like Arkwright is my concern. Just insane, kind of sprawling economic uh, huge game that takes hours to play.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. It probably will be. Um, you could, <laughs> you could actually, if you go to, if you go to capstone com, they have a lot more pictures than on BGG. I don't know why they haven't transferred them over to, to, to board game geek, but hmm. there's a lot, a lot more pictures, uh, of the game. Um, the other one I am interested in is, <clears throat> I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly, but I am not, I don't, I don't speak German. Clever who dry um it's spelled h-o-c-h-d-r-e-i roughly translated into clever times three which i would argue is maybe not very clever of a name (laughs) anyway it's the next oh my gosh it's the next game in the 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 clever games you know the uh um dublet so clever and ganshan clever Anyways, the third installment. Probably, I would guess, the the last installment. Uh, What's there to say about it? I mean, it's just uh, another one of those games where the dice mechanics are the same. Um, You roll dice, and you take them, and the leftovers are left behind, but it just is going to change how things score, how dice work, and I don't know how those things work yet, but... I like these games, so I'm just interested in trying it. I think Dublit So Clever was better than Gonshon Clever, so I expect this one to hopefully be better than Dublin So Clever. And then I guess you could just get rid of the first two and just play that one. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm amazed that there's a third one. It looks actually, I'm looking at the sheet, and you can kind of guess what the mechanics are. It looks very similar to the first two, so we'll see.
0: You're amazed that there's a third one? I'm not at yeah, all. I expected I, don't know. It, they? I
1: mean, like, are they just going to make them every two years? Like by in 10 years, there's going to be like the seventh one or something. What would you call like that one? It's kind of more of the same.
0: <laughs> seven or clever to the power of seven.
1: <laughs> yeah, something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're going to start coming up with uh, cooler names as well.
0: Who knows? I don't know. Because uh, Wolfgang Warsh. Works on other games, too. I mean, this is like a pretty easy money grab. I think people will kind of auto buy this one. I would hope that they stop here. You know, <laughs> you know what they could have done because the the core mechanics don't change. They could have done what they did with Welcome Two. They could have yeah. just sold extra sheets that just has different scoring. Like you don't have to change the color of the dice. You know, that's, that's all they're doing.
1: True, I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I don't know why they have to put out a whole nother game. Like They should just sell sheets like expansions, basically. Uh, But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens in the future for it. This probably will be the last of its kind that I buy, to be honest. Don't (laughs) quote me. Don't quote me on that, though, because I've (laughs) known to not be honest with myself when it comes to games. Anyway, that's it. That's the two I got
1: all right um i have some very kind of small games that i'm looking forward to one of them is actually on board game arena again they've added a lot of games and i actually do have some games that i need to play still there that's just one of them uh that was recently added i think in the latest batch i think uh they're enjoying maybe increased popularity with a bunch of people so they keep adding more and more games which is actually really good because it's nice to have a bigger selection. Um, It is kind of getting harder to actually play those games uh, a lot, though, real time at least, because uh, uh, there's just a lot of games and not enough people to have full games all the time for all games. So anyway, but it's uh, called Quetzal or Quetzal, um, like Quetzalcoatl kind of the first part of it, I think is what they're going for because the game is, uh, you are kind of actually, we have kind of, again, non-PC theme. You're basically, I think, plundering temples and you're selling the uh, relics from them to the market for money. I think that's the game. So the board looks really cool. Actually, the publisher is uh, Gigamic, which is kind of surprising because uh, like I say, usually they have games with weird components or like large wooden components or whatever this one is just a regular board game. Uh it's by the designer of the Luvia project which I kind of liked. Uh kind of a simple game though. I watched a preview of it and uh very simple looking i think it should be enjoyable it has a really weird gimmick where you're rolling your meeples Um, it's a worker placement game but you're rolling your meeples which is hilarious and they look like regular meeples Uh, so if they land on the side you can choose what they are if they land like uh, face up or face down they're explorers or uh, archaeologists or something and they can be placed on different places on the board and if actually they land face up you get a Coin, and you choose what they are, kind of like on their feet, (laughs) which is kind of the weirdest mechanic uh, idea in a while but it's a thing i guess uh the game looks interesting because i like the things that it represents it's uh, kind of a one-dimensional game basically it's get money to get uh relics to sell them to get more money to get more relics and so forth uh but it has things like uh, worker placement uh, portion and then it also has some kind of uh auctioning uh, kind of portion of the game, key, key flower style auctioning where uh, you can outbid people with meeples. And it has set collection, which is how you're kind of turning in the relics from the temples that you're looting. Uh, you're trying to collect sets of, I think, the same to basically sell to the ships. Uh, and there's some special powers, kind of the usual, um, you have a board in front of you and I think you can have two special powers on at the time. Some of which are like convert resources, uh, re-roll your meeples or whatever, which is the funniest thing ever. And yeah, it just looks kind of like a really fun mix of, uh, I'm not expecting, expecting it to be a groundbreaking earth shattering game, but it should be just kind of a fun game of auctioning and, uh, just... Worker light worker placement kind of concepts. Uh, so that's Kitzel. And then I th- I'm not sure if I remember uh, dude, did I talk about Pelli last time, Brendan? I don't think I did. The I don't Steffen think so. Game. Uh, I saw a game on Kickstarter and I wasn't going to talk about it until I played it, but I'll talk about it and looking forward to uh, games. It's a game by Steffen Feld which is very surprising because it does not look like a Steffen Feld game. It's a card game, which I don't know if he's even done a card game before. For, but um, it's a game where you play cards in front of you. The theme of it is uh, some kind of a Native American theme. I think you went to the US and he wanted to do a Native American game or something, which I don't know if that's like uh, really successful. Full thematic game or something, but that was the blurb on the Kickstarter that I read. But the game is you play cards in front of you and they have abilities. You're, what you're thematically doing is uh, starting these like ceremonies or celebrations or something or whatever. And they uh, kind of go away when you build them up to like three or four cards, I think is when they go away. Uh, I think it's four cards, but uh, actually a ceremony which makes them finish at three. And, uh, you just score points and try to kind of finish ceremonies first of certain kinds for more points. And they have kind of just shifting abilities, uh, card combo abilities, Uh, like I say things like if you play on your opponent ceremony you uh, get points, if you have this kind of ceremony, basically just a bunch of conditions that are kind of shifting and you're just trying to get the most points so it's just a straightforward card game, it sounds actually very simple and very accessible which is not usually his games, his games usually have a lot of explanations and icons and they're full of boards with complicated stuff uh this one looks like a kind of a simple card game um and yeah the i guess the thing is you can play in front of you or i think to the two rightmost ceremonies of the person next to you unless it's a two-player game where you can play the one on the left or the one on the right so you can play actually cards on other little ceremonies to kind of Maybe a little bit of take that, like remove uh, those ceremonies so, that, so they don't have those abilities anymore, or a score points for you if you have some kind of an ability to do that. So, yeah, it sounds like a, just a very surprisingly kind of simple card game by Steffen Feld, which intrigues me because I really like his games in general. So, that's Coco Pelli, K O K O P E L L
0: I. Yeah, I've heard about this one. That's it. Yeah, I heard about this and I heard that it didn't feel much like a Steffen Feld game, but uh, not in a bad way. Yeah, this looks interesting to me. Alright, so that was some upcoming games. So up next will be our top three games in which the theme actually comes through. Okay, so um, I worded it like this because I didn't want people to think that we're doing a top three thematic games because that would be something different, right? That, that's like yeah. a, that's a genre of game is thematic games. So I um, tried to pick games, game types of games that the theme usually doesn't come through. And in this, it does. Uh, there might be some explanation to one or two of these games, but that's <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, that's how I made my list is types of games that don't really usually have a strong theme and and for the all three of these work very much for me uh, being thematic.
1: Yeah, actually, I was thinking about exactly the same thing. So we were on the same wavelength. Um, I was trying to think of games where you usually don't expect to like the theme much at all or just kind of to be like, well, whatever theme, like who cares. Uh, but the games where I was actually surprised that the theme actually does come through uh, like exactly like you. Uh, one of them is kind of a thematic game. I actually went through the thematic game category and just kind of looked at that, as well, even though definitely not a list of like you see a bunch of dungeon crawlers basically in thematic games, and not that kind of a list as far as I'm concerned,
0: yeah, I wonder if we could even come up with three. I'm wondering if I could come up with three. I mean, I could I could come up with three game thematic games that I've played, but would they be like games that I really like and would want to play again? Like that's what these lists are supposed to be is games that we would recommend. And I don't know if I, have that many thematic (laughs) games to recommend yeah it's true all right well let's get into it
1: number three all right so my number three uh is a game which a lot of people say it's similar to castles of burgundy Which is a game where the theme does not come through at all (laughs) to me. It just feels like a bunch of calculating and a bunch Mm -hmm. of resource gathering and trying to set up things. And like, who cares that you're actually building castles? Like, it's just ridiculous like who cares it's it's just scoring Um, but the game is Pulsar 2849 Um, I was not expecting to really be into the theme as much even though it looked cool visually Uh, it's a Dice Drafting game which uh, maybe it's because you have a ship which you can think of like it being you or something maybe that's a large part of it of kind of the theme coming across but you feel like you're kind of really just kind of traveling throughout the galaxy Galaxy and you're discovering things there's a very strong sense of discovery which i really like in games um you are drafting dice and there are calculations and basically you like which tech should i get kind of a thing just kind of a lot of timing concerns and resource management and stuff uh are actually mostly worrying about dice values than resource management there's some resource management but it's not really resource management i think it's just kind of a timing dice drafting game um, but yeah, I was actually surprised how much I liked the theme of it, um, as opposed to the gameplay alone. I like I say, I really feel like the game, uh, surprisingly comes across like you're really going around the galaxy, discovering things, leaving colonies and building these pulsars that are like transmitting energy to your, uh, home civilization or whatever. So that's pulsar 2849 for me in number three.
0: Yeah, 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 That's uh, uh, I could see that. I get it, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Pulsar's fine, I just have a rough time with that game. Um, so my number three is a dexterity game, and I feel that most dexterity games, to me, there's either no theme, or the theme doesn't come through at all. Now, you might be thinking that I'm talking about Flick'Em Up, but when I think of Flick'Em Up, I actually look at it more of a tabletop miniature game, like X-Wing or something like that, but with flicking instead of dice rolling and measuring sticks. And of course, that that, that the theme's going to come through on that. Um, or like catacombs, but that's basically a dungeon crawl with flicking. This one is a stacking game, and now stacking games don't typically have a theme or um, nor does the theme usually come out. But this one is Meeple Circus is my number number three. And um, I picked this, not necessarily the drafting, right? Because that doesn't feel very thematic. I don't know if like (laughs) competing um, circuses like go to a store and like draft people. That probably doesn't happen. There's
1: there's a very clearly defined period of the year where you draft like the best circus performers and uh, there's an online ranking and people will play fancy games based on that. I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) I was like, this is surprising. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the whole job. (laughs) Um, the the part that feels very thematic to me is putting on the performances you're doing it on your own and everybody at the table is watching you and there's circus music playing and there's like different meeples want to be doing different things you know like um i can't remember everything but uh the strong man wants to kind of hold heavy things i think it's the Just red like one lion
1: tamers acrobats. yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I think it's the red ones or there's yellow, red and blue regular meeples that are in the game and they each want to do something like, I think it's the red one to be the highest. Anyway, you have to follow the rules of all these elements to the game and you can get other uh, elements of like Christo said, the lion tamer or the strong man or something like that. And they all have to do what they want to do. And you're trying to complete goals as well. And sometimes you got to pretend to eat a sandwich when you hear clapping. Sometimes you got to do that. But you have a timer that is the music and you have to complete that um, before the timer's up, before the music stops. And you have these splashes of symbols that are letting you know that time is getting closer to the end. And it feels... Um, I don't know if I feel like I'm actually entertaining, like putting on a performance. Well, sometimes because people are laughing at me. But I definitely feel (laughs) the pressure of performing. And it's uh, extremely thematic in that way to me. And that's why I picked it as my number three, Meeple Circus.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's really good as far as getting across that feeling of like putting on a show, literally, for the other players. Yeah, yeah. Number 2 all right. Uh, this is a game which might be a little bit more predictable than the other ones because I did expect it to be decent. But I actually kind of was more interested in the uh, kind of gamey aspects and resource management aspects of it rather than the story. I did not expect the story to actually be good because I don't really like stories that much in games in, gener- in general. But it's above and below. So above and below is Ryan's Lockets. I think like first big game or something. I don't know. It's one of. His earlier no it's not his first game uh, there's a bunch of games that he did before that but i think it's the first game in this kind of universe of um i don't know whimsical creatures and stuff i'm not even sure if it has a name but uh it's a game which is kind of at its core a resource management kind of a game with uh, some engine aspects to it you're basically running this kind of a worker engine and trying to get specific resources to kind of score points points um it does have this weird situation where one of the worker actions that can happen is uh you send workers to the depths or whatever the below or i don't know what it's called the dungeons i think actually um which is the below part because you're above in a village and then you go below sometimes to kind of quest so, when you quest, the game turns into this weird choose your own adventure style kind of RPG dice rolling uh, fest where someone reads you a story and the stories are actually quite long. And that's actually usually what I've not enjoyed in games. I thought that was just going to be like whatever. But actually I really enjoyed those uh, silly stories. They're kind of written in a, yeah, maybe a little bit like a very family kind of way. Uh, very accessible to like even children or something. Uh, definitely PG. So yeah, they it's a part of the game where you can get some resources by dice rolling and fighting creatures. But the story comes across really well. And altogether the package is really cool as far as making you feel like you're actually running a village or something and uh, sending adventures once in a while they get kind of uh, sick or hurt if you exert them to kind of work them too hard and you meet creatures in the underworld and you can build buildings later on there when you explore so overall the package is just like very compelling story-based game uh, for me not story-based necessarily but just like a very thematic actually game to me uh, where it just feels really fun to play and uh, when I play usually like I'm focused on like uh, making sure that everything's optimized and like doing the calculations Uh, this one is just really fun to play the process of playing it Uh, sometimes I don't even care who wins, the game might be close there are dice rolls involved as well which makes it kind of a little bit more family but I think it's one of his stronger kind of very thematic feeling games and um, he does do a lot of games where the theme comes across really well in this universe that he's created so I think that's really cool and that's above and below, definitely check it out, local designer as well to Utah here
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good choice. You know, it almost made my list. It um, made my honorable mentions. Uh, I only played this game once a while ago. I think it was right, actually, right before um, Near and Far came out. And uh, I don't know why we only played it once because me and my wife played it with um, some other people. And afterward we were like, that was a lot of fun. And we never played it again. But of course, (laughs) that was (laughs) that was in the early days where We play one game and be like, okay, that's done. That goes on the shelf, and we buy more. Right? That's what we do. So, that this has to hit the hit the table again because um, it is a lot of fun, and I think that that those stories are like whimsical and and interesting. Yeah, it's a good pick. Uh, My number two is Adrenaline uh, from CGE. Adrenaline is. Basically a first-person shooter, not basically, that's exactly what it's trying to be, is a first-person shooter game, and you're running around, I think it's a spaceship, uh, futuristic style, running around shooting each other. You're picking up weapons, and eventually those weapons are going to have to be loaded, and they're loaded with these uh, transparent cubes three different types of colors of cubes and you you can run around picking up those bullets and loading your weapons and shooting them and your weapons will tell you how they shoot. Sometimes they will bounce off of other players. Sometimes they'll go through walls, um, all kinds of crazy weapons. And when you shoot players, you will damage them, but not in the sense that you think because in its core, it's actually an area majority game. You're trying to get majority of hits on players. So basically, think of an area majority map that's consistently moving around. Because you put these um, little like blood drops of your color on their board. And I think the first hit, is it the first hit? I think you get a point for it if you made the first hit on them. Uh, it- yeah,
1: they go to the special play- place, which is like a skull or something. Something and I think you get a yeah something like you get a point for it or maybe they count extra or something if you yeah. win the majority I can't remember.
0: Um, and then people are going to be hitting that person and then whoever makes the kill shot like they get to put a droplet on another piece of board that's going to score at the end of the game. But then once that player board fills up then you score i think it's like eight six four two one one something like that anyway uh you're gonna score for majority and if there's a tie then it goes to like the first person that hits you um but it doesn't phase you necessarily because the more you get hit the more adrenaline you have and you just kind of get your abilities get better so but i mean it could kind of suck if you get killed and then you were planning on doing something now you have to respawn that's the only reason why you might get upset at being killed but it's not this like run around hurting each other getting upset at each other you don't really care for the most part of getting hit in fact sometimes you want to because you're like nah, now it gave me kind of an extra move or whatever it feels very thematic to me if i feel like i'm running around a ship and shooting people And it's fun, but at the same time, there's stuff to think about as far as mechanics go because you want to try to get area majority on different people. There's variants too where you can be in certain rooms and get points for that, but it's all points. So at the end of the game, you're going to score points and whoever has the most points wins. This is a game that I would love to trick some of my video game friends into playing. Like, hey, you like video games? You should play this board game that's like a video game. And play it with them and say, you just played a Euro game, pretty much. And then maybe introduce something that's extremely dry and boring to them and be like, ha, gotcha. That probably won't work. But uh, that's why it's my number two, because it does feel very thematic. It feels like a video game to me, but there's much more going on in it than just running around shooting each other. And that's Adrenaline by CGE.
1: Yeah, I wanted to say, actually, uh, someone made a comment while we were playing the game in in our group a while ago which I thought was really funny and uh, kind of telling Uh, I think he said do you feel the adrenaline pumping as you play this game (laughs) and I thought to myself uh, no not Really, I don't think I feel the adrenaline pumping. But I mean, in fairness, I guess it is a board game, so like they wanted to have thinking involved uh, in it. I don't know if it lives up to the name as much as it's uh, supposedly... T- attempts to live up to its name um, yeah no the theme does come across as far as yeah it feels like basically a deathmatch which is what it's representing actually they have an expansion which is a te- turns it into a team deathmatch like team versus team which sounded really interesting but the reviews were actually very kind of divided and bad on it I think I bought it anyway but we haven't played it it's, uh, it will need like at least four people I think uh, to make that work um maybe it goes up to six now i can't remember but uh yeah it's a board game after all um and uh yeah like a very it's very thematic as far as everything that happens on the board it's actually everything that you would expect to happen in a death match like two people are fighting and someone like shoots a grenade at them and they both explode and it's kind of hilarious in a deathmatch if you die you lose your weapons in the game you do not lose your weapons which is kind of cool so there's really no downside to dying um so yeah it's no the thing comes across but yeah I, I don't know how they would actually make it like really adrenaline pumping they would have to do some kind of a real time element to it and i think it would kind of turn into a different game i think i like it the way it is it's just uh Don't expect like a super silly game. It is a little bit silly, but it is actually very thinky as well.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, this doesn't get my blood pumping like a video game would, you know, that's (laughs) for sure it almost feels more like I'm watching a video game and making suggestions to a player in which I kind of control, but like, yeah. Um, I just think, I think the name adrenaline is just tied to your board because the more you get hit, the more your character gets adrenaline and the like more like awesome he is because he's pumping through full, he's full of adrenaline, but yeah, the players don't feel (laughs) the players definitely don't feel adrenaline. Um, Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, Yeah, it's thematic, but yeah, don't expect your heart rate to go up. Number
1: one. All right, so my number one is actually a work. Worker placement game, which has a lot of uh, again resource management, a lot of timing, a lot of planning actually for the future, and those games are usually a mixed bag. Especially, I think worker placement games. Some some of them have good themes, like Lords of Waterdeep, whatever, um, that somewhat come across. But I was really surprised how like the theme really came across in this game, and it's dungeon pets. Um, It's a game where you're taking care of pets uh, that you have, I think, bought from the market and you're trying to basically raise them up make them uh like take care of their needs actually is a big part of their of the game Uh, they have needs of not just feeding but also like cleaning up specific cages some uh, it's kind of a silly theme uh some animals need to be contained by like magic because they just are magical and they go crazy and like uh Uh, they mutate actually I think if they don't have like magical constraints or whatever uh, in in their cages Uh, it's basically a bunch of planning to kind of raise these pets up to sell them to people that are actually looking to buy them uh a lot of planning for what kind of groups you should send out because you actually send out groups of workers in this game and the order really matters everything is really tight everything really matters uh the game actually has a really cool system of i think the coolest thing is maybe the taking care of the needs of the pets because uh they have um like i say specific needs for like entertainment for um other things and whatever so you need to draw a specific number of cards gosh it's been a while actually since i've played the game but i think you basically draw a bunch of cards and you assign the needs to each pet based on kind of like the cards have a system where you draw types of cards but the other side shows you what the actual need is so you some of the food cards are not necessarily food they're just like other things like i can't remember exactly but um they might not necessarily be related to what you expect them to be and there's a whole chart of kind of matching up needs to whatever resources they actually require or what are the odds of uh, if you pull a food card it's actually food or if it's some else like entertainment or something actually Uh, so it's kind of hard to explain actually and actually the game is very complicated kind of um, and it's complicated to explain and I think the interesting thing in that system is how kind of intuitive it feels a lot of these systems where it's supposed to be really clever and complicated and like this is really cool they're they're actually not that cool in practice when you start playing them and they're, they're not very intuitive this one I think is very intuitive even though it's very kind of a complex system with the needs thing than just the game in general. And it just works really well, and it feels very thematic with uh, kind of sending out your rims to the market to get supplies before everyone else. And everything is just kind of really cool as far as the theme goes in that game. Um, I don't know. I I did not expect to like the theme of that game when I first played it at all. I just thought it'd be a cool kinda of somewhat dry worker play in game, but it's turned out the theme is actually carries it through very strongly. Uh, just really, 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 cool. So that's Dungeon Pets. Um, there's also another game, Dungeon Lords, uh, which not as I feel like the theme does not come across as much. Still really cool, but uh, from I think they're from Vlada, right? Vlada Fatil, I think. Uh, or who's the designer? They're uh, from CG for sure.
0: Yeah, they're But anyway, CGA.
1: really really cool games. Uh, I think the theme comes across really well and actually both of them CG games in general, but this one in particular, I was really surprised. Basically, expectations to what it felt like was like, wow, this was actually really fun. So that's Dungeon Bets.
0: Yeah, this almost made my list too. I actually could have probably put three CGE games on this list, but I decided to pick one. Um, I really like the theme as well. I like that you're raising these monsters as kind of babies to sell to um a dungeon lord right to like put him put them in the dungeon
1: yeah, there's all kinds of questionable characters. There's like vampires who are looking for like cats or something. It's kind of funny, actually. That's kind of part of the charm as well. There's like, uh, I don't know, there's characters, whimsical kind of fantasy characters who are looking for kind of pets for them. And they kind of make sense if you look up, look at them and it's kind of funny and cute.
0: Yeah, it is Shavado, by the way. I just looked it up. Yeah, the box art yeah. um, might have you thinking that it's an um, easier game than it is. Uh, less complex, I should say, like maybe a kid friendly game. All right. So my number one is actually not a type of game that is usually not thematic. It's a co-op game. And I think that, uh, mostly co-op games for the most part will, the theme will come through, but this one, um, surprised me even more than, uh, I thought it was going to. And it's back to the future. Back in time came out this year um from funko i think Uh, it's from prospero hall the design team that's the important part i think i think that they're really good at making um thematic games taking ips and making them into games this one is probably my favorite of them and you are playing the events that take place in the first back to the future movie You have a turn track, which is actually also a timer. So every time you take a turn, you would move this thing and uh, a cube on this turn track. And it'll tell you something to do, which is usually not very good. Um, but then when it once it reaches the time on the last space, that's when you have to have the DeLorean right at the right spot, and you have to have the hook for it, and George and Lorraine have to be in love, and there's several different ways of going about doing this. Unfortunately, it's a lot of dice rolling to make these things happen, which is a lot of luck. Um, but there's a lot of dice manipulation, which is why I personally don't mind it so much in the game because you can have these little tiles and you could reroll certain things or make force one thing to be a success. So, but you also have a picture of your family, like in the movie, and it's slowly disappearing. Um, and you have Biff character on the board, Um, trying to mess up George and Lorraine from falling in love and you could actually uh, take an action to like hit him and like knock him out and you actually lay him down on the board. So pretty thematic there as well. Um, You're playing one out of four of the characters in the game, which is going to be Marty or Doc Brown or Marty's girlfriend who I can't remember her name, um, Jennifer and the dog Einstein. Um, Of course, Jennifer, the Einstein, the dog, are in the movie, but they're not on this adventure, but to make it for players, they had to have some characters. Anyway, um, everybody I played it with thought that it was extremely thematic. It was hard enough to lose the first time we played it and then want immediately set it back up to play it again, um, realizing our mistakes and what we should have done. We'd had some more discussions and we won. And then the last time I played it, we lost again. So I feel like it's challenging enough. It's thematic enough and it's fun enough. um, And that's why it's my number one. Back to the Future, Back in Time, definitely the theme comes through. If you love this movie, I think you would love the game.
1: Cool. Sounds interesting, actually. Uh,
0: Honorable mentions. Um, Christo, you had some of my honorable mentions on your list. Uh, I don't know if I have
1: some of your honorable mentions or whatever you heard, but I'll just go through my honorable mentions. Uh, One game which almost made the list was The Grizzled. Um, The Grizzled is a game oh, yes. where you're simulating kind of being in war, I think, generally. Just kind of the experience of a soldier, kind of the psychological experience of a soldier. And that's actually extremely hard to just kind of... Uh, present in any kind of game format let alone this like very very quick card game and it is kind of in a very abstract way but it does actually come across surprisingly well there's a lot of these kind of co-op card games like uh panabi or like the crew or something where the theme is just like laughably who cares kind of Because, like, Hanabi, do you really feel like you're launching fireworks? Like, are you kidding me? And (laughs) the crew, do you really feel like you're flying in space? You know, like, it's just, like, whatever. But this one, just with cards and pictures, um, it makes the theme come across really well, I think, as well, for how short and simple the game is kind of and actually the game is not as simple as i expected either it's a really cool kind of co-op game where you're trying to uh kind of play the right cards i guess by not talking to each other really other than i think uh, there's some exceptions and i think there's like a campaign game now which i need to play it used to be just uh, I think like either scenario or just play the same game over and over I think there's actually a campaign now or something but yeah it really kind of represents it kind of gives uh, the feeling of being in, in a conflict in a war conflict uh, armed conflict really well and just kind of the, the yeah just really really cool um, the other games that I kind of uh, there's a swath of games I guess that could apply are the games like dune or cosmic encounter or even something like eclipse i feel like those games that like are really epic and they've kind of lasted since the 70s which dune and cosmic encounter have have like a vibe of role playing to them which makes them kind of really interesting as well as just kind of what they are uh you really feel like you're kind of role-playing the character that you're playing and they're very uh, strongly asymmetric which probably also helps as well uh Dune and cosmic encounter because cosmic encounter you're like a unique alien and that's like you Dune is like your faction and you feel like you're the faction so they just feel really kind of cool because i think it's just like who you are kind of should speak to you and um they just feel thematic to me um i think that's part of the charm of why they've lasted so many years as well so that's that's about it
0: i forgot about the grizzled um i really enjoyed that my play of it and that was when i was stubborn about co-op games i was like i don't like (laughs) co-op games and after that one it made me question it they have like a deluxified version too that has like pre-painted miniatures in it and
1: yeah yeah Armistice should, oh is that the one you should have it coming someday so, soon so yeah we'll see
0: okay um, yeah they had a demolition forever I wonder if it's still there because this would it plays two do you think it plays well at two
1: uh, I think it does actually play well, too. I played it with two a uh, while ago, and yeah, there's some kind of a dummy or some weird rules or something, but it works. It works really well. Okay. It works just as well, I think. I think it works well with uh, really any player count, so
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, that version comes with a solo version, too. The original one did not have a solo huh so interesting Uh, i might try to track this down actually uh funny you say cosmic encounter because when i was making the list my wife was like what top three are you doing and i told her and she's like cosmic encounter and i was like (laughs) i don't think so to me it doesn't it doesn't (laughs) the theme doesn't come through um like i'm just playing cards i'm just like trying to get ships on on planets but you brought up a good point the um if you're role playing, your are alien. Um, I guess that could come through. But every time, I mean, you you don't even choose who you battle. You know, you just pull a card and, <laughs> yeah. and you point the warp at them. And it's and your you, destiny. Yeah, but yeah, but also the negotiation part, like who's with me. Um, I guess that could be thematic as well. But um, I I kind of <laughs> didn't. I'd like more and more not liking this game as much as i used to but you have to play with the right group like everybody's got to be into it and i feel like there's this like you go around and you go hey do you want to join me no okay how about you you you're gonna join me cool all right like it's too like scripted in that way where i feel like um you gotta have to play with people that are really negotiation-y you know like what are you gonna do for me if i join you you know yeah i guess that would make the game
1: kind of really long and yeah i agree it's that it is kind of scripted in a little uh like the game itself is not much uh, there but i think just like you, know, you being a unique alien with unique power is the where the theme comes across to me like you're the grudge yeah, yeah. and you can do something like really cool and maybe powerful in the right circumstances that other people can't do and it's just kind of funny but it is an old game and it's maybe dated in some ways. so yeah that's true
0: uh no no it works it just um yeah uh horrified i think is a very thematic co-op game also by prospero hall um and i have a one that you might find weird that i almost actually put on my list but I didn't because most of the game isn't thematic whatsoever. bill Connect. Um,
1: uh, yeah, I can see it. That's fine.
0: It's the boards, right? The 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 um, actual coal mining. Um, like basically, it's a drafting game. You're drafting. You're. It's weird because you're drafting like actions, basically, and not worker placement, not action drafting. You're drafting um, like circular discs that allow you to do certain actions. So you're. Yeah, you're not you're drafting. You're almost
1: drafting like enthusiasm to do actions or something.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and then and then uh, there's also a a tech tree basically that you're going on. That's like just basically like kind of an abstract game of trying to place them on different things. Anyway, but you have your own personal board which you need to pull water out of, and you need to build um, like wooden pillars to get to coal and bring it out onto the hashbill connect. Um, which is just the little, um, like pulley system that you pull up, like you could pull up water to drain the water and, and pull up uh, coal, uh, very thematic to me, the, just the board part of it. And it's a series of games about early coal mining, which actually fascinated me more than I thought it would. I have two in the series and the third one may never come out, unfortunately in the States. It's You probably could find a German copy of it. Anyway, it gives a nice piece of history in the uh, beginning of the rulebook and maybe that's why it kind of drew me into the theme of it of like early coal mining. So those are my honorable mentions. You got anything else, Risto?
1: Yeah, I was going to say mining games in general are kind of uh, neat and I like the theme. They feel like dungeon crawlers to some extent in a weird way like Colbaron or other mining games that I've played. It feels cool because you're like digging tunnels and getting resources. So you kind of feel thematic.
0: Yeah, it does. It Yeah. Colbaron is another one where because of the board and you're pulling out stuff, it does. Yeah. it does hit that, yeah. that theme.
1: No, that's it though. That's, that's all I have.
0: All right. Well then that's our show. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. You can find her art at um, Instagram, Cat Coffee, K A T C O F F E E. We also like to thank Lindsey Hobbs for composing the theme. And we are a production of Pod Cauldron. If you want to hear some other great podcasts, we suggest checking out Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, and Rabble Rabble Rabble, a comedic look at current events. Thanks Sim, we'll be with you in a couple weeks.